Ladies and gentlemen, Nitro, welcome tonight. If y'all are wondering why the middle schoolers are in here, Mr. Dean wasn't able to be here tonight. We are glad you guys are here, excited to have you in here with us. We are talking about the book of 1 Timothy. So if you've got your Bibles with you or your phones, which, by the way, please, if you have your phones and that's your Bible, only use that for your Bible, okay? Don't worry about Facebook. Don't worry about text messaging. All that can wait for the next 30 minutes. You'll be all right. So pull that out, open it up, turn it on, flip it over, whatever you need to do, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Can anybody tell me what we talked about in 1 Timothy chapter 1 last week? We talk about Jesus every week. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's good. We looked at 1 Timothy chapter 1. <laughs> Stop. Verses 1 through 11. We looked at the fact that Timothy is a young pastor at a church and that Paul is writing to him and he's writing to him to encourage him and to give him some pointers as far as being a young pastor. And the two things we talked about last week is he wrote to Timothy to, number one, tell him to stay on task. That God had him as the pastor of that church for a purpose. He was there for a reason. And then we talked about the fact that there were some, some people in that church who were coming in and were teaching false doctrine. So he was reminding Timothy to focus on the truth. Focus on Scripture. Focus on what God's Word says because that's going to keep the church going in the direction that it needs to go even with all these other people coming in and talking about all these different doctrines and different beliefs that aren't scriptural. Tonight, Paul continues to talk to Timothy. We're going to look at the, end, the second half of chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. And tonight, the idea of what we get in here and what we see is the idea of no excuses. How many of you guys have ever made an excuse for something? No, yeah, okay. I, every hand in this room should be up. I've heard some of your excuses. We've all made them. We all make them for different reasons. Most of the time, some of the ones I've heard from you guys are excuses that you've made up for, say, not doing your schoolwork. Now, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to see what some other people thought were good excuses for not doing your schoolwork, so I found a couple. I want to read them to you. If you use these, don't tell your teacher you got them here, okay? The first one is, I made my homework into a paper plane and it got hijacked. That's why you don't turn your homework in. Yes, Tanner, you've used that one, haven't you? Yeah. How about this? My calculator is solar-powered, but it was cloudy all day yesterday. Couldn't do my math. Or, and this one you better never use. It is against my spiritual beliefs to do homework on a day that ends in Y. Okay? Don't ever use that. Yeah, I see it. Hey, your mom's sitting right next to you. You're not going to pull that one off there, buddy. Or this one, I didn't do it because I didn't want to further burden my already overworked teacher. That's not a bad one. Try that. Let me know how that works for you. Some of you, some of you make excuses when it comes to school when you show up late to things, like class. Yeah, there's a couple of you. How about some of these? I like some of these. I was abducted by aliens. They conducted experiments on me all through the night, and I just got free. That's what you use when you show up late to class. Or this one. I was late because my dad was thrashing my kid brother with my shoe. I don't know. Somebody uses them. 
This one, now Tanner, I really could see you using this one. Someone was following me, so I had to take a longer route to throw them off. You could do that one. Hey, how many of you drive? Okay. I'm scared to ask. How many of you have already been pulled over for speeding? Hey, do we have to sing the song again? Come on, man. Here's, here's, here's some when you get pulled over for speeding. I'm late for church and I don't want to end up in hell. Somebody's used it. Or I overdosed on adrenaline this morning. Or this one, this is, this is kind of my personal favorite. Constipation has reduced me to a walking time bomb. Somebody's used it. I'd love to hear one of y'all use it sometime. You see, we laugh at those guys. We laugh because we all make excuses from time to time. And they're funny. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be some reason that we make up an excuse. And some of, some of those times, it's legitimate. Something really did happen, something bad, something that held you up. There's a good reason why you couldn't do something you were supposed to do or couldn't be somewhere on time. But most of the time, it's usually just because we didn't want to do it in the first place or we didn't want to show up on time or we didn't want to show up at all. You see, a lot of times when we give excuses, it's just that. It's excuses. It's reasons we make up because of something we didn't want to do. And the surprising thing is, we do that in almost every area of our life, including when it comes to our relationship to God. When it comes to God, we make up excuses too, don't we? Like, okay, I didn't read my Bible today. I didn't do my quiet time because I had too much homework. Or... I didn't bring my tithe to church because I spent all my money on the new Lecrae album. Yeah, some of y'all are like, yeah, that's true for me. Yeah, it is true. But you know what? I don't think we're really making excuses to God when we do those things. Because God's not coming after us and saying, why didn't you read your Bible today? God's not coming after us and saying, what would you spend my money on this time instead of bringing it to church? You see, God's not saying those things to us. When we make those excuses, when we start talking in those words and saying those things, trying to explain ourselves to God, what's really happening is we're making those excuses to make us feel better because we know we're not necessarily doing what it is that God wants us to do. We're making up those reasons because we don't want to feel guilty and we don't want to feel the pressure of doing what we think God really wants us to do. But you see, God's not asking for those things. God doesn't come to you and say, you have to read your Bible every single morning for 15 minutes, two chapters a day. God doesn't do that. God doesn't come to you and say, hey, I want you to give me all your money. Now, he does talk about a tithe, but he doesn't talk about all your money. You see, because what God wants, instead of all of those things, what God wants is us. He wants our heart. He wants our life. And as we give that to him, all those other things start to fall in line. All those other things that we make all those excuses about why we don't do it because we didn't have time or we didn't have money or we overslept or whatever that reason may be, those things start to happen because God's got us. And we're not worried about all the things anymore. We're worried about this. We're worried about our heart and that relationship that we have with him. And see, and what Paul is talking to Timothy about in this second part of chapter 1 He continues to encourage him, and he's reminding him that when it comes to God, we don't have any excuses. And the way he reminds him of that is he actually talks about himself a little bit. 
You see, if you look at the life of Paul, Paul, before he became a Christian, before he knew God and had an encounter with Christ, Paul was not a godly man. Now, he thought he was. He was trained in the church. He was going out, and he thought he was doing what God wanted him to do, and he was actually persecuting Christians. He got letters to go to Damascus to take Jewish people and put them in jail because they believed in Christ. See, he thought he was doing everything God wanted him to do, but he wasn't. And then God gets a hold of him. Christ meets him on the road and changes his life unbelievably. And we're going to jump into verse 12 tonight and look at what Paul is talking about in his relationship to Christ, showing us that if he doesn't have any excuses, looking at the life that he's come from and who he had been, then there's no reason Timothy has any excuses, which means there's no reason we should have any excuses when it comes to our relationship with God. So let's look at verse 12 and see what it says. This is Paul talking. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I have received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. You see, Paul starts out right there by recognizing the fact that he serves God because God is the one that chose him. That if he went by who he was before, there's no way he could do the things that God wants him to do. Because he calls himself three different things there. He calls himself a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. It means he was the guy that went after the people of God. He thought he was working for God, but he wasn't. But you see, God got a hold of him. And God radically changed his life and made him a different man than he had ever been before. Let me read to you what Paul was doing before he met Christ. In Acts chapter 7, verse 59, it said, And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And it jumps over to Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. You see, before, before Paul knew Christ, he went by the name of Saul and he's sitting there approving of somebody being stoned because they believe in Christ. That's the man that he was. That's the reputation that he had. And it goes on in verse, eight, or verse 1 of chapter 8. It says, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. If you jump over to Acts chapter 9, verse 1, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You see, Saul's aim, his goal before he encountered Christ, was to stomp out Christianity. Was to do everything that he could to get rid of these people that professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But you see, then Jesus got a hold of him. And when Jesus gets a hold of you, he changes your life. But you see, the man that Paul had been when he was known as Saul, and the man that he is now when he's writing to Timothy, they're two completely different men. If Paul ever had any reason to have an excuse not to do something for God, it's because of his past. 
Because when he starts preaching, when he starts talking about Jesus Christ being his Lord, being his Savior, people actually look at him and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're that guy that was persecuting Christians. You're that guy that was trying to put them in prison. You're that guy that was trying to get them killed. Why should we listen to you? And it tells us they actually sought his death when he was in Jerusalem. You see, guys, if Paul ever had an excuse, if anybody ever had an excuse, it was Paul. And we do that sometimes. We say, okay, you know what? I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Jesus Christ has forgiven me through his death, burial, and resurrection. But I've got these things I've done and said in my past. And because of those things, these people, these friends, these people around me, they know what I've done. They know what I've said. They know who I've been. They're not going to listen to me. But you see, Paul's saying, that's not true. They will. That's what he's telling Timothy. He's saying, I am here because God chose me. I am the worst of the worst. And we're actually going to read that later here in 1 Timothy. But because Jesus Christ is in my life, I'm different. Because the things that have happened in my past, they don't define us anymore. It doesn't matter what has happened in your past. It doesn't matter what good things, bad things, they're important but those things, when you come to Christ, when you belong to him, those things don't define you. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life right now. If you belong to Jesus Christ, that is the relationship that defines you. Yes, you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We're all liars. We're all hypocrites. We sing that song. We have fun. But we all are. But that's not what defines us. What defines us is the relationship with Jesus Christ. And you may say, well, you know what, God, okay, that's great. That sounds wonderful, but you don't know my situation. God can't really take care of this part. I mean, that's to say that things aren't possible for God. And Scripture tells us that's just not the case. Three different places. There's a lot more, but I want to read you three. Luke 1 verse 37 says, for nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life right now. God already knows the outcome. God already knows how he's going to use it for his glory if you will allow him to work in your life. Nothing's impossible. It says in Luke 18, 27, but he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Mark 10, verse 26, and they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but, with God, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. What Paul is trying to help Timothy understand is that in this church, these false teachers that we talked about last week, all these other things that may be going on, all these problems they may be having, he's telling them, don't be discouraged. Don't get down. Because God can do anything. Don't give me your excuses. Don't give me those reasons why you can't focus on the truth, why you can't stay on task, because Anything can be done when God is the one who's in control. And whether you believe it or not, God is always in control. It may not feel like it. It may not look like it, but he is. And that's one of the things that defines us in that relationship. He goes on and continues in verse 14 of 1 Timothy 1. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. See, we see right here what's motivating Paul. 
We see right here why he's not giving excuses about his past and who he was and what he'd done before to not do the things God has called him to do. He actually uses three words to talk about it. He says grace, faith, and love. It's the grace of God that allows Paul to know Christ. It's the grace of God that allows us to know Christ, to know that he loves us, to know that he forgives us of every sin that we could ever commit. Grace is something that God gives us when we don't deserve it. It's absolutely free. You guys have probably shown grace to somebody for. You were nice to them when they didn't deserve you to be nice to them. You maybe gave somebody something when they didn't deserve it. You maybe kept your mouth shut when you could have opened your mouth and really embarrassed somebody. That's grace. And those are small examples, but that's what he's talking about right here. He's saying it's the grace of God. It's the getting something that we don't deserve that allows us to know God and allows us to do what God's called us to do. The second word he uses is faith. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Faith is trusting God that he is who he said he is, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. When we have faith in God, we can do anything because God can do anything. Because nothing is impossible. We just saw that in three different places. And then the last word he uses is love. What are the two greatest commandments? Love God, love others. Love God, love others. You do need to love yourself. That's a good thing. But love God and love others first. And you're good to go. That's what he talks about. That's what Jesus said were the greatest two commandments. And Timothy, or Paul is reminding Timothy that these things, all of these things come from God. Because of these things, he's able to have a relationship with God. Because of these things that God has provided. I am not a person that's full of grace. I am not always a person that's full of love. I'd like to say I'm always full of faith. But you know what? If it were up to me, I would fail on every single one of those. Those things come from God. He enables us to do those things. He enables us to show those things to other people. He talks about the grace. The grace forgives our past. It talks about the faith that we can trust him with our future and the love that shows what he's done for us so that we can turn around and show that love to other people. That's what motivates Paul. That's what gives him that passion to serve people, to travel, to take mission trips, to start churches, to preach the gospel at every single opportunity he has because of what God has done in his life. You see, Paul's got a firm grasp of who God is and what God has done. That's why he says in verse 15, he says, Jesus Christ did this work and he did it for sinners of who I am the chief one. He's saying, I'm the biggest sinner in the bunch. Back in verses 9 and 10 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, he talked about the reason that God sent the law and that the law was for the, the, the people, the murderers and the rapists and, and all these different offenders, all these different things that we could think of that are horrible. He says, that's who I was. That's why Jesus Christ came. Because of all these sinful things and all these people I talked about earlier in this chapter, I'm the worst one. That's what Paul's saying. And yet Jesus Christ chose him. He was probably one of the least likely men that we would have picked out for God to use. I can guarantee you there were probably a hundred different people that God could have used that were more on fire, that were more on track with the direction God wanted them to go. And yet he chose Paul. 
And I want you to understand that because a lot of times we can look around and we can see, okay, God, you can use them, you can use him, you can use her, you can use that person because I'm, I'm not quite where they are. I don't know as much scripture. I'm not as comfortable talking. I'm not as old as they are. I haven't been in church as long as they have. They don't have the same friends that I do. You can use them, but I'm not sure you can use me. And Paul's saying, no. God can use anybody. Where you are right now, the friends that you have, the family that you have, if you have a job, the place that you work, God has chosen you for that spot, for this time, for a purpose. That's why you're there. Just like he's chosen Timothy for this church, for this time, and this purpose. Paul is saying, stay focused on that. And because you can know that God has chosen you for that, God has put you there for a reason, your excuses, they don't matter. God's got you there and God's going to give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. He goes on in verse 16. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal and invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, when I first look at that, you think, okay, Paul's, Paul's kind of, he's lifting himself up a little bit there in that first verse. He's saying that in me as the foremost, Christ might display his perfect patience as an example. I'm an example for Jesus Christ is what it sounds like Paul's saying. That's not really what he's saying. He's saying, guys, look at my past. Look where I've been. Look at my life now. I'm able to do this because of Jesus Christ. I'm able to do this because of what God has done. And he's pointing out to Timothy, it doesn't have anything to do with Paul. It doesn't have anything to do with Timothy. It has everything to do with God. The fact that his life is different, the fact that Paul's life was radically changed is because God did a miracle in him. And he does the same thing for us. I could have just as easily put my name in that list, in those verses. Any one of you could put your name in those verses. Okay, maybe we've never gone after Christians and tried to have them thrown in jail. Maybe we've never persecuted the church or tried to have people killed because of their beliefs in something. But you know what? We all have sins in our life. And Scripture tells us a sin is a sin is a sin is a sin. We make scales, but God doesn't. Every one of us could be the worst sinner there ever was. And Paul's saying, guys, if you belong to God, he's done a miracle in your life too. And if he's done a miracle in your life and he has changed you, you don't have any excuse. We don't have any reason not to do what he's called us to do. We don't have any reason to say, God, I'm just too tired to get up this morning. God, I just forgot to bring my tithe, which... I do that on a regular basis. Kathleen will tell you that. I have to give online all the time because I forget to bring my check in. See, we all forget that. But it's not an excuse. Because there's still a way for God to use you exactly where you are. He doesn't want our excuses. He wants us. He wants our life. He wants our heart. Because when he's got a hold of that, we're unstoppable for him. You can do anything. That verse in Scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, 
<laughs> That's unbelievably true. But you've got to give yourself to him. You've got to stop giving the excuses. We've got to stop holding back. We've got to stop holding on to this one little thing we're not quite ready to let go and let God handle yet. We've just got to let it go. And that's what he's telling Timothy. He's saying, this is what I've done. Not because I'm great, not because I'm perfect, but because of the mercy and grace and love of Jesus Christ, I've been able to do this. And because of that, you and I are able to do the exact same thing. To let God, let go and let God do whatever he wants in our life. To be that person in your lunchroom that looks across the tables and sees the person that nobody wants to sit with and nobody wants to talk to, for you to be the one to get up and go sit down and show the love of Christ to them. Yeah, you may get laughed at. So? That's an excuse. Big deal. Maybe you're the person that when everybody's mouthing off to your teacher about how she didn't tell you about this test and how this quiz is unfair... You speak up and say, you know what? doesn't matter. They're the teacher. They're the one in authority in this classroom. You have the opportunity to do that. You have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and to show love, grace, and mercy every single day if we don't make excuses. Let's look at what Paul, how Paul finishes this out in verse 18. He says, this charge I entrust to you Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, hold faith, and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, this kind of seems out of place, doesn't it? With everything that we've been talking about. And I actually thought about, okay, we're just not going to do these last three verses because they don't really go with what we're talking about. But that's not how we're supposed to approach Scripture. We're supposed to approach the entirety of Scripture. So let's look at specifically what he's talking about there. In those three verses, he's saying, okay, Timothy, you're responsible. You are the pastor of this church. And you got a couple guys here, right here. It says, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Timothy, you're the pastor, you're the leader, you've got a job to do, do it. That's what he's talking about. And he brings up these two guys, he mentions these two guys' names, and he tells them specifically, he says, they've made a shipwreck of their faith. Does that mean they're not Christians anymore? Does that mean they've lost their salvation? Well, Scripture tells us once you belong to God, you always belong to God. So if they had truly accepted Christ's forgiveness, they're still Christians, even though Paul talks about handing them over to Satan. What's most likely happening there, if you do a little research and read some commentaries, what you'll find out is when that phrase was being used about people in the church, most of the time that has to do with church discipline. When you would have people coming in who were teaching the false doctrines or people that were coming in and were trying to run their own agenda instead of what the pastor was saying and where the church was supposed to be headed, this dealt with church discipline. He would say, we're going to hand them over to Satan, which basically meant they put them out of the church. Now, they didn't do that because that, they didn't like them. They didn't do it. And you say, well, that's a mean thing to do. But you know what? 
The whole idea behind church discipline, the whole process behind it is that it's done in love because you've got people who are not living their life according to scripture. So you approach them in love in hopes that they will understand what's going on and that they will understand that their lifestyle or whatever they're doing is not what scripture says and they'll come back to where God wants them to be. Most likely that's what's happening here. He says, I've handed them over to Satan. He basically means we've put them out of the church. Back then, to say that phrase, if you belong to Satan, it meant that you weren't in the church. That's where that phrase comes from. And that's what's going on here. He's again, he's telling Timothy, he's encouraging him, don't make excuses for these guys either. These guys right here, they're the ones who, who are doing things that they're not supposed to do. They may be the ones teaching things they're not supposed to teach. Don't make excuses for them and leave them where they are. Do your job. You're the pastor, make it happen. You see, all of this is talking about the idea that we're not supposed to make excuses when it comes to God. And guys, ladies, I make them all the time. We all do. But we're called to something more. We're called to something different than everybody else. If we belong to Jesus Christ, we're called to a life that follows him, that glorifies him, that honors him, not a life that says, I'll get to God tomorrow. He wants us now. He wants every single part of us now. And that's my question for you tonight. Does he have your heart? Not does he have your quiet time. Not does he have your money. Not does he have your car or your relationships or whatever else. Does he have your heart? Do you belong to him? 100% every area of your life. Because when he's got that, all that other stuff's going to fall in line. My encouragement to you tonight, don't make excuses. Don't find reasons not to give yourself to God. Don't make excuses when you know God's calling you to do something. And you say, you know what, Uh, I'll get to that later. Don't waste opportunities to share Christ with people. Don't waste opportunities to be the hands and feet of Christ and to show love to people. Don't make excuses. I want to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm not not doing the, the whole, you know, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, raise your hand and all that. If you don't, come see me when the music starts. If you don't know what that love of Christ looks like, if you've never felt that, if you don't know what that forgiveness looks like from his death on the cross and resurrection, when the music starts, I'm going to be standing in the back of the room. And we've got some other ladies that are going to be back there too. Come talk to one of us. But tonight I want to pray for you. I want to ask you to be honest for a second. How many of you in here would say, and I do want you to raise your hand for this, nobody looking around, all heads bowed, all eyes closed, would say when it comes to God, I've been making a lot of excuses. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Okay, put put them up high. A lot of honest people in here. Okay, you can put them down. How many of you would say, you know what, I don't make excuses to God. I am right on track where I need to be. Okay. 
God loves you guys. Jesus Christ died for you. All he wants is you. Let's give him everything tonight. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for this letter to Timothy. And God, my prayer tonight in this room is we had a lot of hands raised when we talked about making excuses. God, I pray for each person in this room. I pray for myself, God, that we won't make the excuses, God, that we will give you everything about us, our relationships, our money, our time, every hidden part of us. God, we love you. If you're here tonight and you've got something that you just want somebody to pray for you about, we can do it one of two ways. You can get up and come to one of these leaders and we'll pray for you right now. Or you can write it down on one of those green cards and drop it in the basket up there by the stage when the music starts. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.